0: Is your primary care clinic getting ready to shift towards team-based care? Are you wanting your new team to complement other services in your community? Are you looking for tools to help you design your primary care team structure? Yeah, me too. Welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about how to move towards team-based primary care.
1: Hi, I'm Sarah, a medical anthropologist and a team member in the Primary Care Innovation Support Unit, or ISU.
0: And I'm Morgan, a family doctor and also part of the ISU team.
1: If you're involved in primary care as a patient, provider, or planner, and are thinking about moving to team-based care, we hope you'll find something here that's of interest. Are you ready to team up? There's a lot involved in the initial stage of the learning pathway for team-based care, and we split everything into two episodes for the purposes of the podcast. So last episode, we focused on the importance of getting to know your patients. And today, we really want to talk about service design and team readiness. This includes everything from deciding what services to include in your team to space and figuring out how you work together to this big question of, are you, are you ready to work together? What do you need to do to get there if you're not?
0: Yeah, these are important things to think about as you're getting ready to create a team and change a team.
1: And Amy Huff, who led the creation of the pathway, reflected on the importance of supports for really setting teams up in a good way.
2: This stage helps you prepare for that and think about things like patient-centered care, the quality matrix, considering cultural safety and humility in your team training and design.
1: She also provided a great summary of some of the resources that are accessible through the pathway. And I'll just let her speak to this.
2: So we've added resources like HealthMatch BC, sample job descriptions. RNs are certainly the team members we get asked about the most. We've, we've added some sample primary care nurse postings there. And the role descriptions for different clinicians, from dietitians to physiotherapists, occupational therapists and psychologists, and more.
0: I think all these supports around role descriptions and postings are very tangible and important resources to have. The pathway links to a lot of the ones in BC, and I think most provinces have similar resources available for primary care clinics and teams. And a really important piece that links back to our first episode is perhaps less about the paperwork, but more about thinking about how you want to design your team and how it can integrate in with the community that you're a part of, and also to align with patient needs, of course. But we want to talk about more about that community alignment.
1: That's right. And, you know, really coming at this, it's not a clinician. When I was first mm-hmm. thinking about, well, what do you do to set up a team? It honestly didn't even occur to me to think about what's already in the community. I went straight to like who's on the team, what's being covered, sort of what's happening. And I think that lens of what's around you, what's in the community, and how are you going to integrate into the community is just so important.
0: Sarah, I think that's a pretty natural thing to think about particularly for private offices that are used to thinking about the services that they provide for their panel of patients. Community health centers, uh, by their very sort of reason for being, think about it differently. And so learning from CHCs is a great way to think about this. It is about the partnerships between your group and others, and to think about how to make things more accessible for people.
1: So I think, you know, really talking about what's offered in the community is, is obviously important here. And you talked about this idea of not duplicating things.
0: Sarah, you're right. I think not duplicating is, is really important. I mean, right now we have such a crisis in primary care that if we start creating redundant services, we will have gaps in other areas and people who aren't working to their full scope of practice in other areas. So I think really considering what are the services around you that your practice and your population can access and then complementing that as you expand your teams. Super important.
1: I think as there's shiny new things that can be offered, particularly when we're thinking Mm -hmm. about teams and like, oh, well, so-and-so down the street has a mental health person working one day a week. Like, we need that too. Let's jump on that bandwagon. That happens sometimes. Maybe the first step is going out and talking to community services and seeing what changes they could do to support your patients. Maybe it's not an actual gap before you try to expand your team.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think that's a really good point is that there's potentially some services that you can access or invite in that are more for in-reach into your clinic as opposed to hiring somebody from outside the community. I think those are really important points to think about in that sort of stepwise growth of a team. And through that, you're going to figure out what the different roles are that you need in your team and then how they will start to work together, but also how they connect to different resources in the community too.
1: And I know I said I wasn't going to talk about team mapping because it's not all about team mapping and we've made, right. I've made it like three episodes into the season.
0: Including the intro, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I think when we're thinking about roles and connecting with existing community services and what's out there in the community and how are teams going to be integrating to meet those patient needs, a tool like team mapping can be really useful.
0: Absolutely.
2: So things like shared goals, how are we going to work together? You know, of course, I I put the ISU's team mapping process as as number one up there. I've been part of that process. It's, It's a really great process to look at role clarity. You know, we talk so much about role and scope, and there's a real, you know, sort of still a lack of understanding of each other's roles. And I think, as we've already
1: mentioned, there's a ton of great resources related to this stage of the learning pathway. And it it really covers a lot when you think about, you know, how are you going to communicate as a team? We've got the roles discussions, who's going to make up a team to meet the needs of a population. There's another really important piece here in this uh, stage of the pathway, and that really is team readiness.
2: This stage also helps you look at team readiness. Are we ready to work as a team? Do I have things set up? Do we have things set up like space? Is there space for us to work? Where will we work? If we're not co-located, what's the plan to communicate?
1: And I love diving into this question of, are we really ready to work as a team? This is a big change.
0: It's a big change. We're onboarding into our team, Sarah, mm-hmm. several people right now this week. It's exciting. It has lots of potential, and it's also a lot of positive stress and uh, effort. I think it'll be worth it, absolutely. And for the new team members when they listen to this, we're super excited to have you on board. And, you know, I think for people who might be in practice and, and working incredibly hard, they need to know that there's that effort and that balance and know that they've got the capacity before they make a big jump. Otherwise, it could be really difficult. More than a dozen years ago, a new nurse was joining our practice and was joining particularly my practice. And I was in a CHC, a different CHC, where I had technically protected time to work with that new person and bring them on board and introduce them to my practice. And I I wasn't losing money as a fee-for-service doctor, but to find the time, Mm -hmm. given the the patient demands of a full practice panel, was really hard.
1: And I think something that we hear repeatedly is the challenge of making the time. One of the things that I wanted to highlight here as a, as a great resource, thinking about, again, the, the challenges of time and how these things can sometimes there can be things you can do as an individual to get a sense of what that readiness might look like. There's a team readiness checklist as part of the pathway that I think is really interesting. It's a 10-item checklist. It can help people get started. Or if, like Morgan, in your example, you know, you've, you've, started, but you're continuing with the day to day work and maybe the -hmm. the time to sit back and think about the team has kind of fallen off a little bit. I think it's also a a great tool for getting restarted in this space. Mm -hmm. And it's just a simple checklist that asks a series of questions that can get you thinking about, you know, are you ready to work as a team? Are you ready to change? And it's not always the best time. So yeah, putting that out as well, right?
0: Yeah, it could be in a little while. And what I found with that checklist is that it actually makes the process easier if you've gone through it and started to prep some of those things. So it's not just an assessment, but it, it helps you get ready if that's your intention. There's sort of two benefits to that. Each checklist item in the, is a different question. And so let's go into the weeds a little bit. It does identify gaps, either knowledge or what you prepared. Like, oh, I knew I needed to do that, but I haven't yet. Maybe I should. So if you've already got a team, like does every team member know their role and the role of other team members? I think that's an important thing. Now, if you don't have a team yet, you know, it's about do you know what the role is going to be? Do you know how to make decisions around care for patients? Who's responsible? And what is the, the handover parts to that? That's something to consider, and it's one of the questions. There's a question around quality uh, assurance mechanisms. I hate the words quality assurance, but <laughs> the idea of how are you working together and, and you know, where are those checks and balances across the team where necessary when working together and sharing care for a patient so that things don't fall through the cracks.
1: And I think what the checklist does really well is provide a little bit of a framework for teams or leaders within teams to work through to support thinking through the processes that are going to move culture change forward and specific questions that target some of those big coordination questions.
0: Yeah, I think these are big questions, Sarah. And even just sort of going through that list, I'm already working in a team, And I'm like, my heart rate went up a little bit. Like, Oh yeah, there's a lot to do there. In terms of uh, what to do, if you want to do anything after listening to this episode, going into that checklist is a great place to start. And picking one of those things that might be a gap and just jotting down some notes about how you might address that. You don't have to address it yet, but even just articulating what that gap is for yourself, it would be a great place to start.
1: So what are our calls to action for this episode?
0: Well, I think that was it. I want to pick one thing from that checklist and start to plan what that could be. There are other things in the pathways that you can look at as well. There's lots of resources there. We have just picked this one to highlight today. But go in there and have a look and see which one might be most appropriate for what stage you're at and what you need to look at next.
1: And if you're looking for something and you can't find it, uh, it's missing, reach out to us and let us know. You can email isu at familymed.ubc.ca. We're always really happy to hear from people. We love feedback. So let us know what you think. Let us know what you need. And we'll work on making it happen. The Innovation Support Unit is a distributed multidisciplinary team. We work mostly remotely from communities across the Lower Mainland and Vancouver Island in British Columbia.
0: Sarah and I are both recording from our offices in the territories of the lekwungen speaking peoples, the Songhees and Esquimalt First Nations.
1: And recognizing the colonial history and the ongoing impacts of colonization in healthcare systems and in Indigenous communities in Canada and around the world, as we move through the season, we'll work to bring an equity lens to this work. And we really encourage you, our listener, to reflect on your past, present, and future participation on the Indigenous lands where you are situated.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Team Up, and we will talk to you in the next episode.